Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. My name is Scott Lawler and I'm a 35-year veteran of the painting industry where I've been part of growing several multi-million dollar painting companies. I have worn all the hats and have experienced everything you have experienced, are experiencing, or will experience. There is lots of chatter about getting to a million dollars, but what very few focus on is what it takes to blast through Death Valley and create the multi-million dollar company of your dreams. We don't focus on fads, tricks, or shortcuts. We focus on solid foundational business principles and data that deliver results. This is the Consulting for Contractors Beyond a Million Dollar Podcast. All right, welcome back to another C4C podcast. Today we have some Q&A with Mike Katunas, some questions that we've gotten from people in our community and outside. And uh, just to let you know, if you have something you'd love to hear our feedback on, uh, we'll put a link in the show notes, but you can send it to Scott at C, the number four C dot team, Scott at C4C dot team. And we'd glad to talk through it and give you some feedback, uh, see if it might help you. Let's talk a little bit about what are some things that you can do when your schedule gets soft? Um, a lot of people, especially with the economy being a little bit squishy with uncertainty, are finding a normally steady, robust schedule a little bit soft. And so, again, for those that have some weather circumstances that keep them from being outside during the winter, um, we get a lot of people asking us, how do you fill up your schedule? When it's not full, what happens when my backlog's down to a week or two? Um, and I think that's a great question. Mike, what would you say to that question? Well, in terms, we, we certainly deal with that here. Um, I, I still remember back in 2005 when I started the business, my father had run a painting business for a couple of decades. And I can always remember, you know, he would be home a lot more during the winter months and then when spring came, it's like he was gone most days and uh, didn't come back till late most of the time. So I kind of knew what I was getting into and, and what to expect uh, from the very get-go. And I already started thinking about that from day one. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you may have heard this before, but if you start trying to market when you're slow, it's already a little too late. So that part is certainly you got to do some planning ahead of time get it out there that, you know, in terms of your marketing to try to bring in more leads. But I, I, one thing we've done since probably over a decade now is we do run a, a, a winter promotion as we call it. Um, we don't call it a winter discount, but it essentially is a discount. Uh, we do 10% off and I talk about it at any point of the year, whether it's the middle of the spring or summer or early fall. and especially if I have an interior client uh, that is not in a rush to do a job, uh, I might in the middle of May say, hey, just a thought here, but if you're not in a rush to do, to, to do the job and you want to save a few bucks, you know, would you think about scheduling this job in December or January and I can save you about 10%? Because if I don't do that job in the middle of May, 
that's not going to hurt me because our backlog is usually pretty big and pretty it's filled up. So uh, we're not going to miss a beat there. But, you know, even though I'm taking a little bit off, it's going to help me a lot more by doing it, you know, seven or eight months later versus doing it at that moment. Um, and, and some people have taken that. And we actually have what I call our winter customers who are a little bit more budget conscious and uh, may not normally pay what we charge for for interior work. So they'll call us in November or December and say, hey, I got a, a couple of rooms I want to paint. Uh, can I get that winter promotion? And we're like, sure. So so we'll uh, we'll talk about that at any point of the year. And one thing I, I do make very clear in the contract is I put in what our actual price is for the job and then show here's what the winter promotion is. And you have to schedule it between certain dates between usually mid-December through mid-March in order to receive this discount. Otherwise, if you're outside of those that three-month parameter, uh, it's going to be normal pricing. So that way people don't try to take advantage of us and try to get the same price you know, in the middle of the spring. Um, the other thing we do, uh, we do a, a monthly email newsletter that we send out and we start talking, we actually start talking about that winter promotion in there probably about August or September. But, you know, sometimes we'll even in the, as we get colder, we'll send out a few more newsletters uh, a little more regularly instead of like maybe once a month, we might do it twice a month or, you know, uh, I think in the past I've had times where I've done it weekly. Um, And then another way uh, is just going into your CRM and going back over the last year uh, or so and looking at every interior job you lost and just reaching back out to those customers and saying, hey, uh, I know you didn't hire us. Did you get the work done? Or if not, do you want to revisit it? You know, uh, we'd love to still be able to do the job for you. And we could schedule it here in the next week or two if, if you have any interest. You're not going to get a ton of return on it. But you might, if, even if you just get one person, it's worth it. You know, so uh, those are a few different avenues that we use. Yeah, excellent. So the one thing Mike said is very key that at least by the first part of the fourth quarter, you better be marketing for winter. Um, even then might be slightly behind what I prefer, but you need to be planning. And what I'll tell people is once you get into the second quarter, the next six months are pretty much easy street for most people. I mean, you know, the phone's ringing off the hook. You've got more work than you know what to do with. And so that's autopilot, right? That's not tough. Um, that's not where you make or break your business. You make or break your business in the, fir- in the first quarter and some of the fourth quarter, depending on where you're at. So you need to be telling people and talking to people and figuring out how to get them to call you and plan for those uh, cold weather months because Christmas happens. They're not thinking about it. It's busy. They don't really want to paint it around. So, so really teeing up that promotion or, or some kind of hook that gets them to call you and work with you in the winter, you need to do that well in advance of when you th- need it. Because if, like Mike said, if you start when you need it, it's way too late. Secondly, is you have to have a process to quickly and easily reach out and reactivate people that didn't say yes. Um, most times, people are not getting a no They're just getting a ghosting and they don't know what happened. So the idea of in your CRM, 
to be able to reactivate these and go, Hey, um, just reaching back out. Here's a promotion. We have some gaps, whatever it is, because that's, those are people that have already reached out to you. And so they're very likely candidates for a project. We just don't know if they did them before. And I will tell you personally, I'm one of those people that enjoys a sales process. Okay. I love it when uh, someone I'm trying to buy something from pursues me. And I'm also that guy that when it's not urgent, and especially if it's a little more money than I wished it was, I can kind of sit on that for a while. So I didn't go with somebody else. And I guarantee you, I have a preferred person I'd like to work with, but I'm just sitting on it. I'm actually a little bit stuck in that moment. I'm stuck because what I need is for someone to nurture me and, and sell me and say, hey, Scott, let me do this for you. I'm going to do an amazing job. You're going to love it. And I'll say, okay, let's go. That's what I need. So what happens oftentimes is we're so busy with people that say yes, that we don't focus on the people that say no or say nothing. But if you don't have that process, whether that's uh, in the C4C system, it's monday.com. You could do it out of Paint Scout. You could do it out of Estimate Rocket, or you could do it out of MailChimp. There's lots of ways you could send this kind of uh, connection or, or email out. But if you don't have that set up in advance, you're not going to be able to do that on a dime. So that would be the other thing I would say is if at this point you don't have something like that set up, I'm you have about seven months before you need to have it. So use the next seven months to get your systems right. And of course, we could help you with that if that's something we, you want to talk about. But if you don't have those systems, I would get those done. Yeah, and I would just uh, piggyback on that first point you brought up is we can sometimes get so busy in the spring and the summer and you know we're working long days and long hours that you don't think you need to think about marketing at that point. But that's where you could get uh, trapped and you're just so focused on right now and not looking towards the future. You really got to make sure you carve out some time, whether it's weekly or biweekly, monthly, something where you're still focusing on your marketing, uh, even though you may be slammed or your backlog may be pretty long because it can, it, you can easily start to see it dry up pretty fast if you don't have a plan in place. Awesome. Thanks. All right. Moving on to the next one. All right. Let's talk about, all right, Justin, I think that's 30 minutes. I think we'll probably break there, but we're going to keep going. All right. Let's talk about, um, backlog. Okay. All right. Here's the question. If I have a big backlog, people sometimes decline appointments or don't sign because I can't get to them right away. What can I do about that? So that has long been one of the badges of contractors that talk about how many months or years or decades, I'm just kidding, how long their backlog is. Um, we actually have a different viewpoint on that. Uh, Mike, what do you think an optimal backlog is? An optimal backlog for me I would say where like I'm not stressing would be somewhere in the two to three week range. And I know some people are going to hear that and go, that's insanity. And I think one of the ideas that I've always uh, subscribed with being a business owner is, you know, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Uh, it, it does force me to push myself a little bit. It also allows me to, uh, 
be more profitable because, you know, if you're booked out, I've heard people talk about being booked out three months, four months, six months, even, you know, a full year sometimes. And there's just so much money there being that's being left on the table. And I think you got to have a concept of like dynamic pricing involved in your business. So if you're charging, say, $65 an hour when you have a normal backlog, if, if you reach a certain point of like, say, say for you, you want to say a two month backlog. Well, raise your price, raise it to $70 an hour, raise it to $75 an hour. Uh, yes, that means you'll probably get some more no's, but the ones that do bite will, you'll be more, you'll make more money. And, you know, it also will give you some protection there in terms of like uh, any of your vendors raising their prices uh, as well. So um, I just think if, if you're booked out that long, you're going to, you're going to lose jobs just by the mere fact of being booked out so far. And, you know, the other idea, too, that uh, in terms of scheduling that I think about is I try to leave some gaps in the schedule as well, as far as uh, in, in case I get a, a good uh, repeat customer who might be saying, hey, I've got my in-laws are coming into town. I need to paint the I need to paint a couple of bedrooms uh, before they get here. They're coming in two weeks. Can you get me in? Uh, so we, we want to make sure we have some flexibility there. And, and if that doesn't happen all the time, but I think it's always easier to have leave a gap there and then come back and backfill it with some jobs that are scheduled later versus telling customers you got to push some stuff back. So um, you definitely want to keep that in mind as well. Yeah, I love what you said, dynamic pricing. So if you surpass, I'm going to say four weeks backlog at the high end, then you need to start raising your prices because this is simple supply and demand. And one of the things we talk about a lot is that business is more science than it is emotion. And yet a lot of entrepreneurs can be very emotional. And so unfortunately they might have great vision. They could rally the troops, but the, but their uh, nuts and bolts of business, they're terrible at it. And so what's happened is people are saying yes to future work. And so you're selling future work at today's prices, and that's just crazy. And so if you're in business just to have everyone like you, then I guess give it for free if you want. But the reality is this is a business for all stakeholders. That would be your employees, your subs, your vendors, yourself. And to do that, you should be maximizing what you have to sell, which is capacity, hours. And so Mike is absolutely correct. Dustin Wilson, Flying Colors, a friend of mine from Tacoma, Washington, um, actually ever um, is one of the people that I've, uh, does this the best. He will bump prices all summer long, all the way. He won't stop until he hits that ceiling and he feels that uh, resistance and the backlog shrinks and the acceptances shrink and then he comes back down. Every year he does that and he's been doing that for probably close to 40 years now. And what happens is you maximize your capacity, you maximize your bill rate, your, your actual revenue per direct labor hour, and you, you work with the best people. And um, so I think to get out of your head that you owe it to someone to operate at a lower price point is really just head trash and that you should just uh, use dynamic pricing. I couldn't have said it better myself by just keep pushing that bill rate um, and managing. Um, the other thing that uh, I will say about scheduling is 
a lot of people think it's first in, first out, and I think that's nonsense. Somebody could sign with you today, and you could say, great, could we, do, could we come there in August? And they might say, fine, I don't really care. So you've sold the work, but you haven't filled up your capacity. So you, you have all these gaps, and just stacking customers because they were the first, unless you've made a promise or they have a t- t- timeline, I would always try to push them out and extend your schedule and leave room. The reason why is just like you can see uh, on the shelves of a grocery store or the nonsense that we just went through with toilet paper. Um, if, if you don't have any time, then you can't sell something. So you might stand in front of someone and says, that says, I have some pain, which is I have a bridal shower in four weeks. Can you paint my house? And your answer is, yeah, I can. yes, I can. So you might be double or, or uh, everybody else or who knows what. It doesn't matter. You can do the job. And all your counterparts that are all you know, booked two months out, they can't even talk to this person. And you have an opportunity to make money. And I think the flexibility in your schedule will give you opportunities to sell work that otherwise you won't have. In the same vein, for, for people that are using online schedulers, and we are totally advocates of that, um, you have to be careful of what that scheduling calendar looks like. When someone opens up your website, goes to book an appointment, and sees no appointments for two to three weeks, I can tell you for one, I'm out. Personally, I'm out. Because you've just told me something, which is you're freaking busy, and I'm probably never going to get you here. I, I can't even see you for four weeks. I can't imagine how long it's going to take for you to come here. So um, we'll talk about that another time as far as how many appointments should you be doing and should you say no to some of them. But the idea of your appointment schedule, having some flexibility and making sure there's slots open or opening up some slots so people can do appointments is very important because if there's nothing available, then your phone's going to stop ringing. And I think while it wasn't your intention, uh, it's going to happen. So your lead flow drops, even though your marketing worked. And so that wasn't your marketing, that was you. So um, I think that mar- that appointment scheduling system is also very important to keep that open so people perceive you're available, you're professional, you can talk to them. You're, and uh, it just opens up the discussion for the experience that they're looking for. For sure. Uh, All right. Next question. Is it okay to have a minimum and why? What is the appropriate minimum? That's a great one. Yeah. Um, so we do have a minimum. Um, and I will say there are times where I will not enforce the minimum if if we feel like we need to just get some work in. But uh, our minimum is $1,200. That essentially covers... Uh, two guys for a day, probably even a little bit more. Uh, And and the reason we do that is logistically, it can sometimes be a nightmare to schedule uh, a really small job that's less than uh, two guys for a full day. It's, uh, I don't have a van for every single painter. And so it's not like I can uh, move guys around really easily. I've got, I've got a few vans, but not, not to be able to get somebody one person here for four hours and another guy there for four hours. So, it, and the amount of work it, it can take on, on our office side to put together a, a $600, $700 job can sometimes be just as much, if not even more than 
jobs that are $5,000. So we're really not getting a lot of bang for our buck. Um, and I think most customers are pretty understanding of that. Uh, we've, we've gotten several calls in the past where somebody might say, hey, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. And we'll, we'll kind of say, well, our job minimum is 1200. Do you think it's going to meet that price range? And Sometimes people will say no, and that's not what I'm looking for. And so we can already eliminate somebody who's, who might be price shopping. Um, on the other side of it, you might get somebody who says, well, it may not, I wasn't thinking it would cost that much, but you know, why don't you come out and take a look? And I, I might find some other things that I think we can get done so we can meet your minimum or maybe even go a little bit above it. So um, it's ever since we've incorporated that, I think it's helped us eliminate uh, at least a, a good bit of uh, price shoppers. And uh, especially when you get into that busy season, you're fighting for your time and uh, you just don't want to lose it, you know, looking at painting a door or two or something like that. Yes, exactly. And when you're growing your business and, um, you know, the most of what we're working with is are people that are in the million to 5 million range, but of course, even smaller clients, they think that they have to serve everybody because they might develop into something bigger someday. So, and that feels a lot like the customer that says, well, give me a good deal on this one because I have a lot of work down the road (laughs) and you know how those work, right? It never seemed to work out. So um, that to me is a mindset. So when I hear this, but Scott, you don't understand they're a good client that, and I, I say, then that's exactly why you allow them to have the $1,200 minimum because other, other people, you won't even talk to them or for some people that say, insist on a painter for a day. And I think there's places for that. Um, I hear, but they're a good client and they only need, um, you know, a, a little work done. I said, great. Here's what you say. Because you're a great customer, we will go ahead and let you schedule an eight-hour day for us. And that rate needs to be in excess of what your normal rate because typically you're sending most likely a company vehicle fully stocked and one of your uh, most talented staff. Mm -hmm. So you can't bill your lowest rate for your best guy or, or, or female or male, either one. You have to bill a top rate. And the idea here is I will help you. Um, I don't give this to everybody, but for you, I'll send you one person for $700 for the day or something of that nature. And that actually is a blessing that is going, I will do this because you're special. Um, and I, I like the idea of a minimum. Uh, the other thing that to Mike's point is I think we feel like it's our job to fit into every client's budget or timing or whatever. And I just equate that to food restaurants. Everyone knows out you can go out and get a $70 steak and everybody knows you can go to McDonald's and get a $1 hamburger. You know, um, either one will work and you've made a choice to get the one that fits you. And so you don't have to beat all things to all people. You have to do uh, whatever is best for you and your vision for your company. Cause if you don't, then you're going to get stuck running around doing little jobs. And sometimes, you know, these people also can be the biggest challenge. So, um, I actually like a minimum, um, and I like that published. And as you get 
larger, what Mike just said is true. You're going to have less time to focus on the little things. You have to focus on the big thing. So a minimum really um, works. I am reminded that sometimes I feel like the painting industry is behind other industries. I recently had an HVAC uh, contractor here to replace a whole house humidifier. Uh, to have him ring on the, my doorbell cost me $89, and he did not yet step inside my house. And then he came in, looked at my need, and charged me to, to what I can figure by how long he was here, because I already had the item purchased, uh, somewhere around $250 an hour to do what he did. He did not apologize. He didn't make, he's not going to send me a Christmas card. He just did it, sent me the bill and went on his way. And I understand he's got a whole lot of different things. He's an expert. He's got a vehicle. He's got a call center. I understand his business. Um, he didn't need to explain to me why his bill rate was so, in my opinion, high. I paid it. He went on his way and we're all both happy. So I think sometimes us feeling like our number's too high that we have to accommodate everybody is really our own head trash. And I would encourage you to think through why you think that way. Um, map out your target customer. Who's good for you and who's not? Who are the people you need to cut out of your life? Who are the customers you need to fire? And then boldly go there and just say, hey, that's not a good fit for us. It's not you. It's me. We don't do that well. Um, when we do things like that, we find our customers frustrated and we don't want you to be frustrated. So if it's okay with you, I'm going to decline this appointment. Um, we know there's some great people out there to help you. And, uh, that's the way I approach it so that you don't feel like you're insulting them. Um, and everyone's happy, but at the end of the day, you don't owe it to them. So stick to your guns. Anything else on that, Mike? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I agree with you there as far as, you know, you got to find your ideal customer. And I think back to like the time where my uh, business grew tremendously was around the 2010, 2011 timeframe where uh, I think in those two years, we, we like nearly doubled in, in revenue. And, you know, I remember one of the most powerful things someone said to me was you got to tell people no. And for me at that point, it was very scary to, to tell them, no, I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm going to lose business that way. Um, but it's funny how I learned to get comfortable saying no to people and yet my business still grew. And it's because I was eliminating a lot of people who were not going to hire me. And I was putting more time and investment into those who were going to hire me. And uh, so saying no is not a bad thing at all. It, it can actually help you grow. Um, and the other thing I, I wanted to add on to is, you know, we talked about the painter for a day thing and, and, you know, that we actually do have a painter for a day. We don't advertise it on our website. I look at painter for a day as more of a, uh, a marketing instrument. And what I mean by that is uh, I only use it as a, a donation for like silent auctions at local schools. There's there's a handful of schools um, where I live. There's a, a few elementary schools. There's some private schools. And uh, they reach out to me constantly about uh, donating. And so I will donate um, a painter for a day. And what's really cool is I've been to a couple of silent auctions and and you start seeing people like fighting over this painter for a day and and you're seeing the interest grow in your company. And that's how I kind of look at it. It's almost like a marketing expense. And I only do maybe maybe about 10 or so uh, a year. Um, but 
I know I'm not going to make money off of that because it's one, it's a donation, uh, but I'm getting a lot of eyeballs on my business and and what we have to offer. And sometimes like I'm actually going out to, to look at a home next week for a silent auction winner. And she knows that the work she wants to get done is worth more than the painter for a day, but it's just going to be applied as like a, a credit to her contract. Uh, so I'm going to get some work and it may end up kind of at least paying for itself. But at the same time, I've now exposed my company to several people in the local community. And it also shows us as a, a, a company that's willing to give back. Uh, so uh, it's kind of like a win-win there. It's logistically, it's not the greatest, but um, I can tell you, I've got a, a number of repeat clients uh, through uh, donating Painter for a Day. Well, thanks again for joining us on the Beyond a Million Dollar podcast. If anything you heard on the show today intrigued you, or if you're just interested in getting in touch with Scott, please visit the show notes. You can click on the discovery call link to get started. We'd love to find out more about you, your company, and how consulting for contractors can help you grow your business to a million dollars and beyond. Paynet podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org.